0: And welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 81, and I'm your co-host, Nigel.
1: I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host.
0: And our guest to talk about this landmark film in representation of Asians on screen is the Black British podcast co-host, Rich, from Wulong Talks. Rich, welcome.
2: Thank you. Uh, it's good to be back, guys uh yeah uh good to be back i haven't done this for a little while so and i've got a bit of a cold so um yeah excuses excuses but, um, but,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's cool we can edit out all the sniffing
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's been a while since you've actually been on the show i i went and checked and it's like episode 48 when we talked about captain america civil um, war
2: was i on that episode was that me pretty sure was it just jason because I, I, mem- I remember doing the wonder woman one oh, okay that was before the with.
0: wonder woman was before that like, even earlier okay. yeah oh I mean, yeah wow now i've been doing this for a while so yeah are you ready to talk representation in marvel blockbusters with oh, yes. shang Shi? all right let's do it so you can subscribe to story x story on apple podcasts on spotify wherever you get your podcast from. You can also send your feedback and questions to feedback at MyMatter.com, throw them in our Discord or on social media. We are at MyMatter on Twitter, at TV on Instagram, or at Tazzy on both. As usual, we're going to get started with a quick update from the MyMatter universe. And we are closer and closer, every day bring us closer to the full completion of Sirius Through the Fog, the latest Mayimada manga uh, inspired by the pandemic. It sees Blake Sirius and his team having to face a fog-based pandemic and go through all the things we went through in this uh, real-life pandemic, this fear, doubt, uncertainty, uh, while they try and maintain their business venture supernova. So we've got the pages inked. We're working on bits for the collector's edition uh, as we want to get both the standard and collector's edition uh, all done in one send that over to the printer uh, this week as you're listening to it if you're listening to this when it comes out uh, on the day it comes out and get that ready for our Kickstarter backers and then take to the Thought Bubble convention in Harrogate which is north of England Um, so that's going to be next month so we're looking to get everything ready Uh, and in print so definitely excited to have that physically in our hands and also return to a convention which i've not been to since 2019 over in the video game area we have our october games night we're going to be playing identity v with studio 77 members so scary game halloween october all makes sense we're going to be returning to the is it 1v4 1v4 uh, multiplayer action. I can't remember how you described that game, but basically you either play as a hunter or... A victim. There. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much That's
2: <laughs> You have one or the
0: other. Yep, that's, that's <laughs> the game breaks it down. You have to pick a side, literally. So uh, we're going to be getting back yeah, into that game. Uh, we played it early in the year and we're coming back to it for this month. You can also check out are roblox fortnite and rocket league highlights from previous games nights so as we do them if you're a member you can join us live in the stream uh, in the game and then we put up the highlights on youtube uh whenever uh, we get around to editing them so you can check out the ones that we've done so far and look out for more to come and later this month we have in fact in a couple of days on the day that this podcast gets released we have the autumn gamepad online event on the 16th of october live on twitch and hosted by Tazzy. so if you're listening to this on the 14th or 15th there you go you can still catch it live join us on the day if it's afterwards catch the vod and uh, yeah find out how it all went so we've got the friendly fire competition we have teams taking part competing across overcooked knockout city rocket league we've got interviews and a panel so i'm going to be talking to games industry professionals who have just made it into the industry so like in some cases literally not even a month i think so talking about how they got into the industry how they got their foot in the door uh, and what you can learn if you are someone who also wants to work in the games industry or just curious about how it all works so definitely make sure you check that out the panel is breaking into video games and I'm going to be talking uh, with two other uh, games professionals separately. So that's all going to be across the day and the tickets are free. So head over to gamepad.events. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes for that, um, but also gamepad.events. Uh, you can get your tickets from there and on Eventbrite as well. So we make it easy for you. Uh, so definitely check that out. We've got more gamepad plans in the works. So uh, stay tuned make sure you're in it in our discord or in our mailing list to be notified because we've got some big things happening at the end of this year and into next so definitely want to catch that so before we get into our main discussion let's talk about some of the other stories we've been enjoying this week <laughs>
1: This is the part of the podcast where we have our spoiler-free discussion about what stories people have been reading, watching, or playing. So we will start with our guest.
2: Um, what have I been doing? Um, I've been well, like like I was saying to you guys before we started recording. I'm actually living a movie right now. So like you know, like I said, I'm I'm currently Kevin Hill. Anybody who doesn't know who Kevin Hill is, go and Google it. Like um, and did. if you don't know who Kevin Hill is, yeah, you guys are too young. Right, (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's basically about a a a young black man who is quite successful in his life, who basically gets given the responsibility of looking after a child uh, by himself uh, after his sister passes away. So he has to look after his niece. I mean, it's not exactly the same. Um, So my little boy's uh, mother has had to fly out to LA just to go visit some family. So it's currently just me and him, just uh, living the boy's life. You know, I, I mean, to be honest. Imagine all the 80s films that you see when a dad is running the house and is like kids jumping on a bed and all of that stuff. It kind of is like that. So um, so I'm doing that. I'm watching, well, I've just finished watching Kim's Convenience, uh, which is funny because I only started watching it after I saw Shang-Chi. Because obviously of Simi Liu and I've heard good things about it. And the show is such a well-written show. Such a good show! Like I was, I was really, really impressed. And me, me, and my son just finished the seed the last season yesterday, and I actually posted it on Twitter. I I, I had tears in my eyes because he called it. He was like, "Daddy, I think this is the last episode," and I was like, "It's not the last episode. I know more than you." And then it kind of got to the end, and then like the credits started rolling, and he went, "Okay, I'm going to bed now," and I went, "I'll, I'll be up there in a minute." <laughs> just, <laughs> there, just staring at the screen, in it. So I'm watching that. I'm also currently and I'm on the third season of Sex Education, which is, I have to say, probably my favorite show of 2021 so far. I haven't seen Squid Games yet. So, you know, the the, the race is still open. But um Sex Education, I mean the talent that's coming out from there is amazing. Arthur Butterfield, who plays like the main character, is it Elliot? I've forgotten his guy's name. But anyway, I know that he was in a running to play. Peter Parker in the MCU in, in in the MCU, and I'm actually happy that he didn't get it. I, I'm I, I'm actually because I think as much as we love the MCU or the DCE or we love all of these franchises, what happens is that sometimes you don't get to see some of these actors, some of these actors or actresses shine in something else. Which is the reason why some people, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. didn't ex- you know extend his contract, Chris Evans, um, Scarlett Johansson and so forth. So um, but if you if you guys get the chance, go and watch, um, yeah, definitely watch Sex Education. Is it is a British, is British made, man, and like they just take it to another level. So I've been doing that TV wise and uh game-wise, I've been playing Starlink on the Nintendo Switch. So like I said, I'm one of you guys now. And I'm and I managed to pick that up, the game and the toy stroke model for five pounds from the entertainer. So if anybody goes to get anything from the entertainer, tell them that Richard sent you, send them my handle and then um, tell them that they owe me.
1: <laughs> Hopefully you get some sort of like commission there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also
1: love sex education. I think it's a great show. So I'm right there with you. And Otis
2: is his name. Otis. That's it. Otis. Yes, of course. Of course. Otis.
1: Wow, hard stories to follow, I guess.
2: <laughs> but... <laughs>
1: I recently binged Turner and Hooch, the TV show that's on.
2: That's a Disney Plus
1: original. Is that what they're mm-hmm. called? Is that an old show? No, it's a new show.
2: It's based off. The, it's based off the old film.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a sequel to. Okay. The film Turner and Hooch. So I was like, "Is Turner
0: and Hooch? Isn't that? I mean, it just sounds old, but isn't it actually like? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> From way so back. Turner and Hooch is a movie from the 80s is it from the 80s I was like I think it's from the 80s <laughs> I mean
2: I'm just I'm, once again I'm showing my age but yeah it's from the 80s <laughs>
1: and it's like a okay yeah it's late 80s, late 80s. um because I was like ah, it's like it feels 80s but also very 90s and it's because it's it's because it's on the cusp
2: mm.
1: I was a big fan of Turner and Hooch as a kid because it's about a cop and a dog but they're like un- unlikely partners, basically. Can't remember how in the film Hooch finds Turner. Hooch is the dog, by the way, and Turner yeah. the cop. To... <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Re- I can't remember how in the, in the original film that they become companions.
2: I could tell you if you want. <laughs> yeah, go on, because
1: I cannot remember. I haven't seen it for ages.
2: Yeah, but basically, it Hooch is witness to a murder. Yeah, and so like Turner has to look. Up. Let's let's put it this way: it's one of those things where it's a type of storyline that only could have got greenlit in the eighties. <laughs> 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 so so Hooch is Hooch is witness to a murder, and Turner has to basically look like look after him. And you know you, you can you can you can tell the rest.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the TV series is a sequel to the film, so there is a new Turner and a new Hooch. The new Turner is the son of the original Turner in the film. And the dog Hooch is, was adopted by Turner Senior, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> before his death because it reminded him of old Hooch uh, and he really wanted his son to have a dog. And then like Hooch is just a menace <laughs> a slobbery menace that's also adorable and it's there it, it's the story of the new Turner and the new Hooch being unlikely partners and le- like learning to work together even though Turner really doesn't want Hooch at first and oh but it's just brilliant I was so upset when I got to the last episode that's out because I was like i want more and i didn't realize i went back in the morning to go watch it and i was like oh that was the last episode yesterday (laughs) (laughs) but it's just oh it's so sweet because i love doggies and there's like a romance story in there with a trainer that's helping eternal with hooch who has her own dog who's a alsatian pure white alsatian and it's, it's just so cute. I just love. <laughs> I mean, it could just be a show about the dog. And I'd probably love it still. But it's like the whole like trying to figure out crimes with this dog, um, but then like the long running story as well. Uh, I don't want to give too much away.
2: <laughs> but yeah,
1: really, really good. If you liked Turner and Hooch, I'm sure you'll like Turner and Hooch the series. <laughs> but yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun watch. And then I have been playing until dawn to the i don't like that i'm playing until dawn i don't know how to say that Uh, you don't like it no i'm playing it because it's halloween it's halloween oh yes and it's one of my my halloween games of the month over on twitch and this game oh my god i forgot i'm actually i've been quite good with not being scared of it actually this time which has never been my experience with my attempt to play it before. So the first time I'm actually playing it, every other time's been a, an attempt because <laughs> the controller's been in my hand for a whole five minutes before I'm like, no. Nope. <laughs> but like, it's a choice game, and the character its the carrot—it's so much drama. It's like this is like a what are they like their late teens drama. It reminds me of like teen drama shows. <laughs> Mm. So it hurts me a lot, and I've killed off <laughs> the one character <laughs> that I wanted to survive. Mm. I killed him off so early, <laughs> but yeah, if you haven't played Until Dawn, it's definitely. I do. I really. En- I've watched so many people play it, and I really enjoy watching people play it. Cannot say the same for actually playing it. It's one of those games that I feel like I should have just left to to be watched and. Not actually experienced it for myself But here we are Um, But it is really well made So that's that The story's interesting And then I've also been watching Cobra Kai
2: Yeah, never die, never die (laughs) It seems (laughs) like
1: there's a theme Of me watching shows (laughs) That are sequels to movies (laughs) (laughs) Yeah I mean, Do I need to explain what Cobra Kai is? (laughs) Some of my audience might not know it's a sequel to. It's a TV series that is a sequel to *Cobra Kid, uh, The original, not the new ones, not the new one with Will Smith's son.
0: Oh yeah, they did that. Whoa.
1: Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, they did that. <laughs>
0: when you said that, I was like, there was a se- Oh yeah, there was a sequel.
1: Yeah no, it's really I. The, okay, so I really love *Cobra Kai* for the fact that it change. It really takes. It's about perspective. Like, the show is about perspective and it's taken these two rival dojos, if you have no idea what Karate Kid's about.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and you're really getting to know Johnny, who is, oh my God, how can you forget the main character from Karate Kid's name? Oh, Daniel. <laughs> Daniel, yeah. <Danielson>. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Which is, was da- uh, Daniel's childhood rival dojo person. But... Johnny went through a lot as a kid and had a lot of struggles as well. And it's kind of like unpacking that. And his perspective was that Daniel was a bully and made his life mis- misery a misery in school. So it's kind of like that perspective. And it's them and you're learning sort of a bit more about them and why they are how they are. And they've still got this like rivalry grudge between them. And then, like, there's people in their lives that are like, you need to get over it. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just really holding on to this and, like, really holding on to, like, opinions on each other that are based on them as children. And, like, it's them learning. Yeah, it's really interesting. But my description of the show would be a man who needs psychological help, then... Create it like creating traumatic experiences and influencing children's lives because he has not dealt with his PDST and other like mental health issues. <laughs> yeah, sounds about <laughs> that, would, right. that would be my description of this this show through through two generations, <laughs> like we're in the, s- the second generation of of this like inherited PDST I guess. So, yeah, it's, like, really interesting. And I like I like that it's kind of questioning, like, the idea of, like, the, like, straight cut villain and hero. And, like, ah. Uh, because the hero is normally, like, the victim at some point as well, right? So is the, like, is it so easy to say, like, victim and an aggressor? Like, is that so clear cut? Or is, is there something in between? And is maybe communication very key to... <laughs>
0: It's always mm-hmm. the thing, communication.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. So yeah, uh, Nigel, what about you?
0: So a while ago, I went to a comic book shop for the first time in ages and picked up some comics, uh, partly for myself, but also for the sessions that I do. So I was in Mega City Comics and stumbled across Batman manga, which mm. I did not know was a thing. So it was one of those cases where I literally judged a book by its cover and added it to my collection. So I've been reading Batman as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been reading Batman and the Justice League, uh, Volume One. I actually got two volumes. I got Volume One and Two. Uh, So I just finished Volume One, and yeah, it's. I mean, I don't need to go into it too deeply. Is Batman in manga form? So it's about this kid because it's always this manga so it's always about a kid and he is in gotham in search of his parents who have disappeared and he's like i need to find out what happened and he encounters batman in manga form and you know the deal joggers up to some stuff that involves the kid involves batman and then along the way uh superman gets involved and uh, i haven't got to it yet but i assume the rest of the justice league are gonna join the fight too well, it's just interesting to see the the manga interpretation of these characters like Batman, Bruce Wayne, and especially Superman. It looks kind of, I don't know if I fully agree with uh, how he's been <laughs> depicted, but uh, it all looks really cool. And it's just, yeah, it's just great to see like these characters, Joker, looking like really sinister uh, and really freaky uh, in this manga. Jim Gordon is looking pretty cool. Uh, they got his mustache like really down in this yeah there's not much to say about it it's batman manga and uh i have it i've discovered it and why didn't anyone tell me this existed before
1: yeah i feel like i would have been reading this if i'd known it exists because people are like you should read more comics and you should read more manga and i'm like that's too much <laughs> 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 I'm like, let me do both in one go
0: yeah exactly <laughs> like, Kill two I, read birds. I
1: read comics <laughs>
0: So, yeah, I'm going to make it start on Volume 2 and uh, see where the story story goes. But, yeah, it's, like I said, it's Batman manga.
1: Question. Have you seen Batman Ninja?
0: Yes. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But I feel if you're not into anime and manga, you'd be like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it, it, it hits, like, because I, I love Batman uh, as a character, so, like, anime manga so it just puts all those things together and it just it hits all the like if you had a checkbox of what should be in an anime it hits all of those so if you like it it's it's all there if you don't you're like I don't know what is going on
1: and I think Batman characters lend themselves really well to anime
0: yeah you know I'm gonna as I read volume two and I read more of it I'll be able to put thoughts into words but I feel because when I said about Superman, I feel Batman fits more than Superman does in this, and I I don't know why, but just it feels right that Batman is in this manga, where Superman feels a bit out of place. But I'm not sure why. So sticking with anime, uh, I've started watching the series Erased. Have either of you watched this?
1: I've watched what's it called? The first episode.
0: Erased. Erased? No. What? No. What's it? Uh, I don't know how you feel about it, Tazzy, but I love this show. I haven't finished it, but. This is so. It's about a a kid. What I'm gonna say, a kid, a 29 year old guy who has this ability, which he calls revival, and it allows him, not necessarily in a controlled way, but allows him to go back in time, like short periods, to prevent uh sort of certain events, like people getting hurt or uh, or dying. And then the story, like the whole premise of it, is he's then sent back in time 18 years. To his younger self to prevent the events leading up to his mother's death and it revolves around different kidnappings that have happened so that's the premise so you see the the 29 year old get put back in a 11 year old's body and go back to school with his uh, friends trying to like uh, stop this bad thing from happening so it's a time <laughs> it's a time mechanic of <laughs> story one, which is which is interesting but it's also a bit of a like mystery thriller because there's a there's a crime that's happened there's he has to solve this i haven't got to the end so i couldn't spoil it even if it wasn't a uh, spoiler free segment but so he's trying to stop that but it's for me i was just like gripped by it so i'm just working my way through these episodes and yeah enjoying it i don't know how you found it has he
1: um yeah like i said i'd watched the first episode i haven't gone back not because I didn't enjoy it, but um, I don't know if it's still uh, unavailable and dubbed.
0: Yeah, I think it is because I'm watching it subbed.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I think I need to take like a month out of life to just watch subbed <laughs> anime.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I
1: know. Or get good at Japanese quicker. <laughs> yeah, probably
0: the former because Japanese is hard. But <laughs> I know what you mean, though, because... I, it was recommended to me like in the summer and I think I started to watch this first episode and I saw it was like subbed and I couldn't change it to sub to dud, which meant I had to like actually pay attention. <laughs> um, so it was like, okay, it's one of those shows. So I need to come back when I've got like the focus to I'm going to pay attention. And I'm glad I did because yeah, it's just, for me, it's just it's just gripping. There's like, there's twists and, uh, and turns happening and it does the thing which uh, I do appreciate that Manga and anime does, which is takes on difficult subjects. So, uh, like even earlier in the year, I did a piece, I did a video piece for the children's media conference, talking about uh, why anime and manga appeals to younger people and what's different about it compared to Western comics and cartoons. And one of the things uh, that came up, and this was after speaking to a young person about the topic, is manga and anime doesn't shy away from difficult subjects. Uh, so here we're talking about like murder or there's abuse in the in the story and it doesn't shy away from that and it doesn't treat young people like they're stupid. And this is an example of that, like it's a very substantive story and there's like heavy themes in there, but you can still watch it. It's, it's I was going to say it's not fun because <laughs> the topic isn't fun, but it, it's, a, it's a good watch um, and it, it, it deals, it handles with those, uh, handles those topics really well. Mm. I recommend it, and I'm looking forward to finishing it.
1: Yeah, I need to get back to it, but like I said, I need I need to take a month out to just watch, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> watched all the sub anime that is on my backlog. Should we get onto the main discussion then?
0: Mm-hmm. Today, we are going to be talking about the comic book film Shang Shi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, directed by Destin Daniel Creighton and starring Simu Lu and Tony Long. Spoiler alert, we are going to be getting into all the details that we can cover of this film. I will be doing a quick recap, but before we do that, I want to get the impressions um, and the quick takes from everyone. So let's start with Rich. What are your thoughts overall about this film?
2: I I loved it. I'm I'm a Shang-Chi... Jeez, I'm going to say the name wrong. So I'm a Shang-Chi fan (laughs) in the comic books. Anyway, like, I mean, Nigel, you know me for some time now. So, you know, I'm a massive... Martial arts fans. I've done martial arts in my spare time as well, and um, so I've I've always got a love for the the street level heroes. So like the Iron Fist, the Daredevil, the Punishers, the Shang Chis. So I was really looking forward to this, and I have to admit, when I saw the trailer, I was excited, but I also did feel that they I was scared that they were going to drop the ball just because, mm. like outside of John Wick. The amount of like films that come out from Hollywood that really know how to really appreciate and um you know it, it portray martial arts on screen it is is completely different but I, I I went into that cinema and I left that cinema a, a happy a happy boy. let's put it, let's put it that way. I was very, very happy like it's easily it could be inside inside my top ten I think I, I mean my MCU top ten shifts and changes you know whatever mood I'm in and depending on what day it is but um but it's yeah it's easily one of the best origin movies um i'd have to say from the mcu so Tazzy, what did you think
1: i am so glad that i actually ended up having to see this in the cinema <laughs> Yep,
0: yeah, once it goes on the schedule it's
1: <laughs> so originally this was on the schedule for after it would come out on disney plus but we moved it up the schedule and uh so I had to see it in the cinema, but I'm so happy that I did because I feel like I just wouldn't have got the full experience because it it plays so well on screen, on the big screen. And I've got not a great TV, so it just wouldn't have mm. done it justice at all. Wow.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it.
0: And, you know, you, there's this debate about... Like uh, directors and not liking sort of TV or feel their films being put so quickly on TV because it ruins the experience. And I've seen some feedback on you know I'll oh, just get over it. This is how people are watching it. But I really do feel like there are some, maybe not everything, but there are certainly certainly some films that we watch in the cinema It's a different experience, and it's the experience that they that they wanted. And I think like what Tazzy's saying is like you wouldn't have got the same experience of this film had you just watched it on your TV on disney plus and I, I feel something like this really comes through on that yeah i you know and this is why i always love having rich and jason when he can be on the show because i feel like you guys just know so much about comics and you have the background uh, and you definitely want to pick your brain because that's pretty much why we get you on <laughs> so i can just <laughs> ask your questions and just learn uh learn something i find with this phase of marvel heroes i have less context because i haven't I mm. uh, read like the comics, so I'm coming into it like fresh and just learning about the characters and then wanting to go and find out. I mentioned the the comic book shop trip I made. I picked up a Shang-Chi collection comic and find out more about the character, so I'm coming to this like just open just you know show me show me what it is, and I'll just take it as you <laughs> as you give it to me basically and I was really impressed uh with this it felt it felt kind of like fresh. In a way, and it's weird to say that about Disney because they certainly have a formula and we'll get to some of that uh, later on. But it just felt like I'm seeing something different. I'm seeing was essentially a martial arts film in MCU form. And we haven't seen that before. Uh, We're seeing different characters. Uh, I I mentioned uh, representation. We're seeing different types of characters leading. I mean, we'll get into uh, more of that. But yeah, I was just like, it felt... Fresh and it felt like a just something new, uh, and I feel for the MCU to continue kind of going, um and it it will. That's like what Disney does, but for it to continue going and hopefully continue keeping some kind of audience and keeping interest, they're gonna have to do new things. And I think this for me is a promising sign of them going in new directions. So yeah, I I liked it. So looking forward to uh, digging deeper into that, but. Let me do a recap of the story before we dive any deeper. This is a story that takes us back thousands of years, where Wen Wu discovers 10 mystical rings that grant immortality, godly powers, and leads to the establishment of the Ten Rings organization. Fast forward to 1996, when Wu searches for Tai Lo and travels to the village entrance, but is stopped by its guardian Ying Li. The two fall in love. And Wen Wu abandons the Ten Rings. The Talo villagers reject Wen Wu, so Li chooses to leave with him. They have two children, Shang Shi and Zhai When Shang is seven, Li is murdered by the Iron Gang. Wen Wu massacres the group in revenge and once again takes up leadership of the Ten Rings. He puts Shang chi through brutal martial arts training but excludes Zhi Ling, so she teaches herself in secret. When Shang Shi is 14, Wen Wu sends him to assassinate the Iron Gang's leader. After fulfilling his mission, Shang Shi runs away to San Francisco and adopts the slightly easier name of Sean. Now in 2024, Shang is working as a valet with his best friend Katie. They are soon attacked by the Ten Rings, and Shang is forced to reveal his past to Katie, who insists on helping him find his sister, Ji Ling, at an underground fight club in Macau. The Ten Rings attack the fight club, and when Wu arrives to capture Shang Katie, and Ji Ling. They are all taken to the Ten Rings compound where Wenwu uses the pendants belonging to Shi and Ji Ling to reveal a magical map leading to Ta Lo. Wenwu believes his wife Li has been held captive in Ta Lo behind a sealed gate. He plans to destroy the village unless they release her. When his children and Katie object, he imprisons them. The three meet former actor Trevor Slattery and companion Morris, who helps. Guide them to Ta Lo. The group escapes and goes straight to Ta Lo. There they meet Ying Nang, Li's sister, who explains the soul consuming Dweller in Darkness has been influencing Wen Wu from behind the sealed dark gate so that he will open the gate and be set free. Shang Shi, Ji Ling, and Katie join the villagers in training and preparing for Wen Wu's arrival, using weapons and outfits crafted from dragon scales. Shang Wen Wu, and the Ten Rings arrive to attack. Wen Wu overpowers Shang Shi and attacks the gate with the rings. Some of the Dweller's minions escape, and the Ten Rings join forces with the villagers to fight them. Shang Shi is revived by the Great Protector, a dragon, which leaves the lake and joins the battle. The Dweller in Darkness escapes the gate and attacks Shang Shi, who is saved by Wen Wu, giving him the rings before being killed by the Dweller in Darkness. Shang-Chi, the great protector, Xi Ling and Katie battle and kill the Dweller in darkness. Afterwards, Shang-Chi and Katie return to San Francisco where they are summoned by the sorcerer Wu to the Sanctum Sanctorium. And because this is a Marvel film, we haven't finished. In a mid credit scene, Wong introduces Shang-Chi and Katie to Bruce Banner and Carol Danvers where they discover that the Ten Rings are emitting a mysterious signal. And in the post credit scene, Jiling becomes the new leader of the Ten Rings after telling shang that she was going to disband the organization. The end. I feel like I managed to get through that without butchering the names too much. So I'm just going uh, <laughs> well well <laughs> to keep going. Um, so we talked about representation. So I wanted to start there because... It's it's something that I feel Marvel are aware of and are taking steps to make, I guess, include in their films. So we're looking at things like Black Panther and here with, uh, with Shang-Chi. And the thing with representation is that it, it, it is good to have a diverse cast of characters and, and characters from sort of different ethnic backgrounds represented on screen and behind uh, the camera as well. But it's always about box office success at the end of the day like these are companies that want their films to be successful so they can get a return on their investment and I think this has done pretty well especially in a post-pandemic world so this being the first Marvel film to debut exclusively in cinemas and in the first three days it made 90 million in the US 56.2 million overseas excluding China because uh, it hadn't been released, uh, at least at the time, and exceeding, exceeded its projections. So I think this is a, a successful origin film, successful comic book film, especially coming after the sort of poor performance of The Suicide Squad, which I still liked, and Black Widow in the cinema as well. So yeah, I guess there's no question there, but yeah, that's, what do you guys think about this from a representation point of view?
1: If you make a good film people are going to watch
0: it. <laughs> yeah, I think it is as simple as that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, I mean, obviously, coming off the back of Black Panther, which came out quite a few years ago, and then also being a fan of Asian culture, martial arts and such, and then seeing Shang-Chi, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. Like like Tazi said, you make something good and people will go, you know what, this is Field of Dreams of Kevin Costner. Build it and they will come. That's it. It's, <laughs> a, it's as simple as that. But in regards to you talk about representation, I mean, i just gonna put it out there that today is also National Coming Out Day. Yeah, mm. I'm not sure if the if the stars are aligned, but yeah, representation is is definitely something that's needed. And um, in this new age, I think people are a lot more aware of it now. So um, yeah, I, I yeah, I think I'm here for it. And I was really happy with Shangxi.
0: Yeah, and like I said earlier on, it, it, it just feels fresh, and I think that's that's part of it, just seeing different people just play mm-hmm. these roles in a good film. Mm-hmm.
1: And I like that there was like different sort of... What's the term? Okay.
0: Can I take a guess of what I think you were going to say? Sure. You said like essentially different types. So this is an Asian-led cast, but we've, we're seeing different types of Asian characters. Not yes. the one type that fits into a stereotype.
1: Completely American-born, American sort of way of life, Katie, who is she's american like that's yeah yeah <laughs> that's how she sort of uh presents herself and even says herself like you know she's like i don't know anything <laughs> she's like i'm an american
0: that's me with ghana and britain like um, <laughs> so I, I felt i identified with ke as like i don't i don't know the language I don't, i'm just <laughs>
1: and then That, like, leads to her mum. And there's a point where she... Like, her mum says something like, oh, that's such an American... Yes. ...thought or something. And then Kate's just like, mum, you are American. American,
2: yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we've got that sort of, like, middle generation. And then the nan as well. And then, obviously, um, I'm just going to... Sean. I'm just going to say Sean. Because at this point, he was Sean. And Sean, who... We, even as Sean, his fake persona, do, do we even really know him at this point? Um, <laughs> we know at least that he's not American born at that point because he moved to her school. And like just that those different levels of like tradition and connection to heritage and da, 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 like it's just quite nice because that's really what it is like amongst communities that are that have different heritages. Like, if you go to any community, whether it's, like, an Asian community, a Black community, there's always that, like, you've got someone that is just American or British or wherever they're from, (laughs) and they're like, I don't know the language, I don't really know the culture, (laughs) I want to live, like, I want to live the the American dream or British dream, and I just want to, like, you know... Has, they have like you'll have different ethics that are more relative to the culture that you you've grown up in and then like parents or grandparents are like you don't know <laughs> you don't know your ancestry <laughs> these children these days
0: honestly like I can't tell you how much I like this is that scene where it at a table everything I've swapped the grandmother for an aunt telling me that I need to go back to Ghana which I'm now going to do next year that I understand that, <laughs> like, like, and and I think that's the thing for like just representing different cultures because I mean we're all humans. We're all, we even though it's like this is an a Asian-led uh, film and it's that culture, you can still understand it because there are similarities. And yeah, I feel like that that's a good thing. It doesn't need to be directly where you are from or, or uh, who you are around, but you can recognise it in other cultures.
2: Yeah, no, I, I definitely definitely agree with what you guys have just said there.
0: Yeah, can't argue that. So the other thing with Marvel is uh, I noticed there's there's a there's a running theme of what I'm gonna say are daddy issues with characters in Marvel. I remember uh, seeing this somewhere like last year, but it just reminded me watching uh, this film. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but a lot of Marvel characters have issues with their father. So we have like Tony Stark and Thor who are. Both uh, essentially in a state of arrested development, like due to the, the troubled relationship with their fathers. You have Tony again and T'Challa and Black Panther, sort of measuring themselves up against the legacy of fathers past. You have Shang Chi here, uh, Star Lord uh, facing dads who have made questionable parenting decisions. Peter Parker and Tony. On uh, peter or tony being a father figure to peter ant-man, Ant-Man again yeah this is a thing
1: even you said star lord and that's what made me think guardians of the character character oh, uh, gamora. Uh, gamora yes gamora and
0: oh and the sister
1: and the sister with thanos yeah
0: yeah and yeah thanos himself being like the you know, the, some kind of like evil dad of the MCU, just thinking he knows best. and <laughs> I'm going to yeah, make this yeah. decision on behalf of the universe. So yeah, it's just uh, I don't know where that comes from, but uh, there's a lot of uh, daddy issues in, in the MCU. So for uh, Shang-Chi itself uh, and the film, I was always interested, and this is where I'm just going to hand over the podcast to, to Rich for a moment, but just... The how this compares to the the comic origins of the character, what they have changed, um, what they might have left out. Um, I know they've made some changes with Wu and the Mandarin character, which has got some yeah issues around that. But do you want to tell us more about sort of where this character's come from and how it's been adapted for the MCU?
2: I mean, t- to be honest, everything... They haven't dive, diverged that that much away from the character of Shang Chi in Marvel Comics, but what they have done is that I think they well not I think but I would like to say I know that's the reason why I'm here. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> they've taken a version of the origin of Iron Fist and basically superimposed it onto Shang Chi's um, origin. So everything about Shang Chi being the son of you know of an international crime lord who has his fingers in, in, in everything in, in 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 every pie that that is true you know I mean I don't want to get too much into it but then you start talking about the character of Fu Manchu and the racial stereotypes behind that and that how that was originally linked to the character of Shang-Chi and then when it was I think Marvel ended up losing the rights to that but it was also a bit too racist so they ended up you know creating a character which was similar to um to Fu Manchu who you you could I can't remember his name unfortunately sorry who is kind of like the basis of who Wenru is but it's, it's not it's not that much different and i think that's the thing that i really really loved about this is that it added one or two things onto it and the things that were integral to his, to his origin they kept it but they took a look at it and said you know what that wouldn't be right here as it stands right now like you know like like i said like having a character of the mandarin or a character like the mandarin or a full manchu we we not we can't do this whether we want this film to be screened in China or not, there's no way we're going to be able to make a film, you know, <laughs> with a white guy in yellow face. That's just completely <laughs> wrong. So, yeah, so so to be fair, th- there's not that much different in regards to the, the the portrayal of the screen one as compared to the comic book one. I think they've, what I do like is that they've put him on an, evil, on, on an even playing field in regards to the other characters that we already know in the MCU and the other characters that are coming into the MCU. So I like the fact that he's just not going to be that guy who does, you know, for better use of words, like chop-socky, kung-fu, you know, martial arts, boxing. Like, he, you know, he has power. So I like that. So I, th- I think that they realised that... Because, I mean, if, if you look at some of the characters that were coming out from the 60s and the 70s, in regard, from, let's say from Marvel Comics, let's just keep at that, you would have your superpowered beings, and then normally what would happen is that you might get, like, a, a character which is of some subculture, and they would have powers, but the powers might be basic somewhat if you compare it to some people. Hmm. So you'd get like a, a Luke Cage. Yeah, we're going to get like a big, strong black man and he's bulletproof. And it's just like, all right. I mean, that, yeah, that's really innovative. Oh, uh, You know, what we should do, we should get a Chinese guy. And what's he going to do? Yeah, he's going to do Kung Fu. And you're just like, yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> There's a running theme here. So I like the fact that they've kept that part of what, the reason why he was created in the first place, but then also said, he's just not that. You know, he, he just doesn't throw fists and everything. You know, we're gonna, he's gonna be a powerful character. So yes, like I said, so it, it's it's a nice update to the character of Shang-Chi. And there, there aren't that many differences between the one that I know in the comic book and the one that you see in film barred by, by what I just said, unless I've missed a few. And if I have, I'm sorry. <laughs> nice.
0: No, uh, yeah, that's really cool to know. and. I feel even within the MCU, they've made changes to some aspects of this, well, not the character, but the the wider story with the Mandarin because it's almost, I feel like his inclusion in this story is almost done as an apology for how he was brought in in Iron Man and and that whole kind of misdirection that did not uh, work. And I think, I don't know, I feel like I've seen Kevin Feige kind of address that whole situation of that Mandarin character like you say a white man a yellow face uh, essentially and the way they portrayed him in this film just feels like a yeah we messed up this character (laughs) is a joke and we're gonna treat him like that rather than some kind of intentional misdirection that just did not work out so with the film coming back to the the action because in the comics Shang-Chi is known as the master of kung fu And I feel like this is not only a a good film, but it feels like a good quote unquote kung fu film. And I'm just going to throw out there: it's just like the best action film in the MCU. Like, and when I say action, like just hand to hand, like (laughs) practical action stunts and everything, because it's really, it really is like just different from what you see in the action from other uh, Marvel films. So a lot of the time,
1: do you know what? Because it is hand to hand, and okay, there's power weapons i don't know what you would call them <laughs> i'm going to call them power weapons cuz they're <laughs> weapons that have extra powers <laughs> yeah that fits but they're in them but they're not like i feel like most marvel like mcu films it's like like there's so much going on there's so many like gadgets and and explosions and flashy things happening whereas this was like like you said it's hand-to-hand combat and it's interesting hand-to-hand combat like you're literally there like whoa what's gonna happen like (laughs) and like i felt myself holding my breath and like you know
0: obviously marvel mcu does action so there's a lot of action i feel like what you're describing uh i i feel because the it's like the previous action or a lot of the action looks good like it, it looks like visually stunning a lot of the times and uh it's great to see and this feels good like you're watching this like i'm in it i'm feeling it, i'm following it and it's just it has that different feeling to it i don't know
2: what do you think rich yeah i, I, I mean like i said you know i'm a massive martial arts fan yeah. um, like i mentioned at the beginning so i, I think what it is if, if you guys well I, I, I'll, I'll speak for you guys not to be <laughs> rude but first of all i'd like to say tazzy those special effects that you made i, I could see it
0: yeah, when I you know, right? Footage, I was there. I
2: could, yeah, I could, <laughs> see, I could see
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> I was there in my room just seeing those.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm here all week. Contact uh, <laughs> <to> my agent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, And so I think what what it is in regards to the action is that everything, everything has a language, everything has an alphabet, and everything has a language. And the martial arts, well, okay, let's put it the action that was in this movie, you would then break it down to say, a particular type of genre, which would be martial arts. And I, and I think it's one of those things where you subconsciously just watch it and just go, like, oh, this is really good, but it feels different. And like and it does feel different, but it's still getting the job done. So I like the fact that the language that was used for this stays in context with the language of the film that we're watching. So we know it's a film of Asian descent. So you've got, you know, your Asian directors, you've got your Asian stars, you've got the Asian story, you've got the Asian backgrounds. So it's only it only makes sense to have kung fu or martial arts in this as opposed to say like probably the the only other film that I would say has action like this in the MCU would be Captain America the Winter Soldier and they both yeah and they both do the same thing but if you think about it they both have a language that speaks for them so if you go and look at like if you watch Captain America the Winter Soldier there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of good hand-to-hand combat but the hand-to-hand combat is the type of style that you would find in, uh, in the West with, uh, you know, with, you know, let's say, even let's say, like, American soldiers. But there's a lot more guns and bombs and, and, and knives, as a, you know, like, because that's, a, that's an American way of telling action. And then you go and watch, like, Shang-Chi and it's like, well, you know, you know when you watch the martial arts films, whether it be Power Rangers or, you know, a Bruce Lee movie. There's gonna be a certain type of hand to hand combat that you will have that would be probably more more beautiful, more elegant, even though it's just and it tells a
0: story. Like it it, exactly. It's the action tells a story of the like the characters or what they're feeling, what they're going through at the time.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And um and and if anything, I mean action in in cinema, especially in Hollywood, has has evolved greatly over over the years. But like you said, like so now you, you you know, you now get directors that will have a martial art specific for a particular character, because this character may look or act in a particular way. So, you know, you've got Shang-Chi, who is the everyman and doesn't really know what he wants to do. So when you look at his martial art style, he knows them all. And he's able to switch from one thing to the next because he is that free-floating bird, you know. He, he, he is what he is. And then you might look at somebody, say, like, you know, like a Captain America, who is, um, you know, he is the, the battering ram for, say, like, the United States of America, so once he starts moving forward, he doesn't stop, and it's just you know punches and stars and stripes. Yeah, I could do this but, um, all day. So, yeah, I can do this all day. Yeah, like you know, it's it's a very American thing, you know. <laughs> so, but yeah, but I but in regards to the action, like like it was, it's definitely a massive pressure fresher, and I don't remember the last time I actually saw a film in the cinema that had martial arts like that. You know, uh um, yeah. are from the West, what from the yeah. West even, so, so to speak. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, definitely. And I think it, it goes to that. And we talked a lot about representation already, but the idea of you're seeing something different. And even at the beginning of the film, like there were subtitles. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I'm watching a a box office, uh big budget Hollywood film and I'm watching subtitles. It's great. It's like.
1: That really f***ed me off. Because <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. And I was like, oh my God, now I have to like, really concentrate yeah. on reading subtitles and i was like oh my god please don't have like action scenes and, and subtitles <laughs> because i it's one of the things that i i really don't like about watching anime is that mm. i miss a lot of the animation if i'm watching with subs because i cannot keep up <laughs> and then and you heard like i heard like other people in the audience kind of be like start whispering when when the subtitles came up I was like oh my god is it like this in the whole movie and then someone stands in front of me and is like faffing around with their popcorn or whatever standing up while the subtitles are on screen <laughs> and I'm there like trying to look around and I'm like please it's hard enough <laughs> man yeah.
0: but I mean that's yeah that's what you know we're not used to it as a uh, here in the west having to watch subtitles in Hollywood but I don't know I, I like seeing it. I was like yeah
1: I think it was done so well in this as well like there was a, a good balance of it so that you didn't a that you didn't get tired of reading the subtitles yeah. in an action film because that's very is important quite hard to keep up with something so action-packed mm. and read subtitles but also it was always so relevant to the story mm. like the points where it just felt so natural because it was like well yeah, why would they be speaking English here?
2: Mm, mm.
0: And if it, it, it came across as very uh, authentic, same as the the fighting. And I mean, were there any, uh, there were so many good action set pieces. Did any stand out to anyone in, in particular?
1: The scaffolding, when they're fighting on the scaffolding. I love that. Because it was like using all the scaffolding and like they'd fall down and try and grab oh it's just brilliant
0: yeah i mean because i read that the the film stunt team uh had graduates from the jackie chan stunt team school uh, i guess and just watching that scene i was like this this feels like <laughs> uh i'm not saying it, this is what it did but it just feels like jackie chan just most practical stunts being done in the most impractical places <laughs> that you can, <laughs> that you can think of,
2: but that that well, that's the funny thing is because like I'm saying it's like you, you guys like you know you guys are say like saying how you're seeing certain things, but you're not, but you're seeing certain things, but not picking up that it what you're thinking it is actually is that. And so the guy who did the choreography for it is a, is a guy called Bradley Allen, who is, who I was actually a fan of. He he actually passed away two weeks before the Shang Chi was was released. yeah and what it is is that yeah amazing amazing fighter five foot three the first time i saw him was in a film versus jackie chan called gorgeous and it was the first time when i watched the film and went yeah jackie's getting old (laughs) 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 but um you watch if you watch enough martial arts films you will be able to watch a film and be like i can guess or i can see who, who did the choreography for this so you watching this and going it feels like jackie chan is is not you know, it's not by chance that you're thinking that. Mm. Like, you know, I can watch certain films and can be like, okay, cool. I know who directed this, or I know who did the choreography. And it would be Yuen wu Ping for The Matrix. I watched The Matrix, and I will go and watch any, you know, a film like Drunken Master, and you can see mm. the language that they that they bring to that they bring to the screen in regards to the martial arts that they put onto the characters. So, 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 so you are actually seeing like a, a language being spoken in front of you. You're just not sure who. Um, or where that dialect comes from—that's
0: that, yes. that's the thing. So. Yeah. Wow. And and it had so many different was because I felt the scaffolding fight was different to the fights. Uh, so when you had Wen Wu versus Lee, because that mm-hmm. had that was like a fight, but also like flirting in, in one. And then the one that I mean I liked all of them, but the one that yeah. I quite enjoyed was when Shang Shi goes to his aunt and said like, "You need to teach me like how to defeat my father." And yeah. then she brings back the that style that Lee kind of had earlier in the film, and trying to basically get him to understand this is how you need to do. It. I like that kind of teaching moment in in fighting, uh, and in the bus scene or yeah, the bus fight. I was fight, just obviously. about to say, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, the,
1: the yeah. introductory fight scene yeah. was was brilliant. I think for me, the only reason it's not my favorite fighting in scenes because it's my favorite other scene, but. So it's it's a favourite scene for other reasons.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I feel like it can't have two top spots. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fair enough. Okay.
1: I mean, we can go into that now. i will go into it later. It's up to you.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm intrigued. You got me. What's what's the other reason? Yeah. Yeah.
2: What is it?
1: Because this is like Katie's like I have skills moment, and I'm using my skills because it all all up until that point it's like oh you're just a you're just a valet parker, like valet worker. You just work a valet, you just park cars for a living. Like, what skills do you have? <laughs> and it's like mm-hmm. this constant thing of her, like, being like, I don't need to be an adult. I got skills. Da-da-da-da-da. And obviously, you like, hear the story of her joint riding. And obviously, when we first meet her, she just takes this car, this beast of a car that mm. some mm. rich rich person owns and like just takes on a joyride and yeah and then it's like no your skill has just been like used to save people's lives <laughs> mm. wow mm. and there's just like loads of little points in that and you sort of like also like learn the strength of uh sean and katie's relationship because like their friendship bond is so strong at that point that it's like she's just found out that he's like this. Like what? Yes. <laughs> she's just like, who are you? But at the same time, she's like, you get on with the fighting. I'm. I'm gonna I'll drive. do this. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll handle this. <laughs> yeah,
1: and then and we'll sort um, it out later. There's like the signal bit, and he's like, on my signal. She's like, what? What signal? Oh my god! And then when he gives her the signal, he's like, she's like, yeah, that's the signal.
2: <laughs>
1: and then the, the funniest bit about that scene, for me, is that when, they, when she figures a way to stop the bus by attaching herself to the other large vehicle, I can't remember what it was, she destroys a lot of very high-end cars, mm. <laughs> which is hilarious because the point when she was taking the nice car for a joyride sean was like if you trash it that's going to be very expensive (laughs) we're going to lose our jobs and have like it be in debt for the rest of our lives and then she goes on to destroy like there was a lot because it really highlighted that there were these were nice cars (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
1: i try to i can't even remember specifically but i remember the last one was an aston martin okay there was like several high-end sports cars destroyed <laughs> yeah
0: i remember watching that scene and thinking they could have just given one to me would they would they have missed that like all these cars <laughs> are destroying
1: <laughs> I'm <laughs> just taken one? Like, you know, like yeah
0: but then so you mentioned the characters and I, I i think the i think katie like like i said before like katie i felt <laughs> like katie like of all the of all the characters uh, in this, but I mean, there are a number of characters, and and definitely all in there to heighten the family themes, uh, whatever that means in terms of like biological family or like the close relationship he had with with Katie. Were there any characters that stood out to people? When were yeah? I think we should, should we just go straight there yeah, to. <laughs> um,
2: sorry.
1: So happy with this
2: character. I was gonna say Trevor, but but just because <laughs> when Ru, just because when Ru is in, he's in the league of his own. <laughs> it yeah, like like they could, he could have his own. This they could have said Wenru and the legend of the ten rings, and I would be yeah. like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> he he was great. He just has just has presence, and you know, just some actors, some people just have presence. Like even if you don't know him or you don't recognize him, you just feel like this is a man who's done some stuff. Like he's done some yeah. stuff in, in his life and he just has that presence on screen.
1: It was a, like the emotion, like I could feel every emotion, every ounce of anger, every ounce of sadness, especially because the the emotions of of we are like, they're not straight cut emotions, nothing. And you can feel that with the performance and I just love the character arc and I'm so... So glad that he got redemption in the end.
0: Yeah, he un- he understood, like I guess, the error of his ways in the yeah. end, and he yeah passed on the rings to to his son. I would
1: son. have been so sad if he never got like his redemption at the end, because I was like, you can change, everyone can change, <laughs> <laughs> and because it was like so clear that he loved his his family.
0: I did like that about the, because he's, he's the villain, but he was just so relatable, like you understood his motivations. So you understood like, even from the beginning, I I have this power, this great power, and you can understand where he goes with that. Uh, I meet the, what becomes the love of my life. And I give it up, have children. You see him doing, what's he playing? Like Dance Dance Revolution or something. He's yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. just, just <laughs> like a, a family guy. But then my wife is murdered. So we're going to dig these rings out and it's mm-hmm. vengeance time. And just like going down that dark hole as well. And then just a relationship with his, mostly his son. But I guess like there's something in the sort of father-daughter relationship in this case, uh, as well but just the way he, he treats them <laughs> basically is just mm-hmm. is kind of sad in one way but also funny just the way he treats them like even though they're grown and I feel there's some kind of um I don't know millennial thing <laughs> going yeah. on in terms of you know they don't know where they're going with their lives their <laughs> expectations high expectations from the family and they're like ah we don't really want to I don't want to do that <laughs> and, and then the father comes like yes, you must be this
1: yeah it's like the dinner when they're captured <laughs> and brought back home.
0: Yeah. And it's yeah. that like
1: family dinner with a friend. And it's just such a normal family dinner <laughs> with a friend. But with, you know, this <laughs> this thousand-year-old, like however many thousand-year-old villain that been a father for a short period of his mm. his long life. But that he changed so much in that time. And you really see like, oh, okay, like he genuinely... Because at first watching this film, I thought, oh, he never really cared about his children and it was all just a lie. But then it sort of comes together. It's like, no, he did genuinely really care about his children, but the death of his wife just brought the dark side back and pushed him over the edge.
0: And even on the caring bit, because I think... Because, you know, he he sends like the ten rings after them and the moment, I think it was just after the... the, uh, scaffolding fight when he finally meets them in person and i feel like he said something like i told you you wouldn't be able to take my son
1: yeah they're like you wouldn't be able to kill my son even if they if you even if you tried i told them they wouldn't be able to kill you yes it, yeah yeah I told, yeah right. and i'm glad
0: i was right kind of thing um so you, you, there was that even though you know the relationship was rocky there was that respect at least like yeah you know we weren't dependent but i know you're not going to be able to kill uh my son
1: and then there was even. There's a lot of like comments he says. There's the one that he says, "I always know where my children are," and I gave you ten years to live your lives. <laughs> yeah, no, <that's... laughs> like it was such a parent, such a, like, parent, yeah. it was a parent, like at that point, like all the yeah. the hard exterior like broke down, and it was just like this is just a parent. And then there's another. Oh, what was the other comment that he says that like really hit? Oh, it's a flashback actually. So we're like. Prior to the flashback, we're led to believe that the whole time Sean was a child, his, like, when we just, like, after their mum died, just treated him purely training and was, like, had, like, a zero tolerance to weakness and pain and was, like, duh. But then we go to a flashback where he tells him to stop punching the, the wooden pole thing, and he's like, "Have you been doing this all day?" <laughs> and he's like, "You need to stop." And he's like, patching up his wounds and saying, "Like, you know, you need to sharpen your mind as well." And it's sort of like, "Oh, okay, so it's not—it wasn't all like pain, 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 pain." <laughs> mm.
2: But I, I, I do feel I, I think that's that's the one thing about this film that I think, like when we wasn't trying to, he did, he he didn't bring Shang back to take over. The the, you know the Ten Rings organization, which is kind of like one of the storylines that's always going to be like the running storyline in the comic book is always the thing of the father comes to try and get Shang Chi to come you know to come and take over the Ten Rings and if he can defeat him that means he was never good enough to take over the Ten Rings and if he can be defeated by Shang Chi then he's the person to take over it and I and like I said I think that's the thing like he didn't want the Ten Rings he didn't want Shang to take over he just wanted his family he wanted his wife back he wanted his two kids back. And that was that. And that bit where he goes about, like, you know, I told you you wouldn't be able to, you would, you would never be able to kill my son. In my head, like speaking, let's say, like you know, uh, from that, like, you know, from the culture that we are from, to me, I wouldn't have ever even seen it as like it was a respect that he that he had for him. I I thought that it felt more like it was pride. He was proud mm. of the person that you know this person had grown up to be. But yeah. now it's time for you to come back. And, and, fulfill and, your potential, like. and fulfill your potential. And fulfill your potential. And that's one of the, I think, one of the running themes throughout this whole
1: yeah, throughout definitely. The movie
2: is fulfilling your potential and being happy. Because everybody in this movie wants to be happy. And probably the first person that you actually see that's actually happy in this movie is going to be my guy, Trevor. Trevor's the first person <laughs> that you meet that's happy in his family, that, that's happy in this movie. And he's had to be captured and chastised for something that he did wrong. And you know, and become sober from the drink, from the drink and the drugs. But he's a happy guy, and so yeah, so like I think that's one of the running themes to it. But like you were saying, the whole thing about Tony, Tony Leung. Like I think the other thing that I love about him is that, and I mean he's known for this as well. Um, literally go and there's a film called Infernal Affairs. If you guys have never seen it, go and watch it. It's the original, um, version of um The Departed, which was made of Leonardo DiCaprio. And you know, yeah. Um, but Tony Leung, he's known as the actor that can speak with his eyes. And that bit at the end, where he realizes that he's messed up, and he and he gives the ring. Yeah, to yeah. he just it's, says it, it all. The it's the look? Is the look? And it, and it's and it's one of those things where yeah, everything like and it's one of those things where like because I'm a dad now, there's certain looks that I see in certain men's... like men, like certain men, like men's. That's not even a proper sentence. Like certain fathers' <laughs> eyes, but but you know what I mean. Like there's a certain look that my dad would have given me when I was young that I would never understand. But I now understand it now that I'm a father. And, you know, so like, so looking at that look that he had in his eyes, I was just like, God damn, this guy's a good actor. (laughs) 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 I would have thought that was his real son. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: And that's the thing with good actors. Ultimately, you believe them. Like you say, I would have thought that's his real son, just the way you believed what he was putting forward on the screen.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Moving on to another member of the family. Xie Ling, absolute badass. Uh, is she getting her own movie? I hope so.
0: <laughs> yeah, she was. A, I feel the way they set her up in the the second credit scene is like, it feels like either a series or her own film where she's going to play a big part because she, yeah, she was great. She kind of, I mean, it wasn't her film, so she didn't get a whole... lot of screen time compared to obviously shang chi but she just had she she did like so well with the role what she was given and just like such a compelling character
1: if she had had any more screen time screen time she would have taken the stage
2: yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. um do do you guys want to tell you my theory uh in regards to in regards to i think how they're gonna treat her yeah so like i said you know like MCU, comic books, all this stuff, like I I live and breathe this stuff. So I'll sit down once in a blue moon, which is like probably every night and uh, there will be (laughs) a portion of my brain that will just, the cogs will just be turning. So I thought to myself, if you think about it now, we still don't know what's actually happened 100% between from when the snap first happened Mm. and then the unsnapping, right? We know that, for example, that, you know, Clint Barton gave up Hawkeye, became Ronin and became Mm. a vigilante. And when I did XYZ, so you can obviously tell that there's been some form of power vacuum in regards to how the world was being run. Let's say, like villains-wise and stuff like that. So if you're thinking about where Shang Chi takes place, so Shang Chi takes place after the snapping, and she takes over the Ten Rings. We've already got a Thunderbolts. They're kind of aiming towards, say, like a Thunderbolts team with a U.S. agent and Natasha, oh, all the villains, Widow.
0: basically. Well, not yeah, yeah, kind of villains.
2: Yeah, the, well, the kind, yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of villains, stroke heroes. Yeah. Um, they're aiming for like a, new av- a young Avengers yeah. as well. And then you've also got the old guard Avengers or what's left of the old guard Avengers. And the thing that I did notice is that the people that, sh- um, that Shang's sister was training at the end, I'm not going to try and pronounce her name because I'm going to sound like a fool. The people <laughs> that, she, that she was training at the end, they were all female. So... That, Wasn't me, it ever mixed? It was, mixed. was
0: it there a mix? It was mixed. There was a mix. A, yeah, there was yeah, a, yeah, a, a mix.
1: women. And then, and then it panned it, out. The camera panned out. Opposite them was a group of men yeah it was like that because at first it did look like it was like oh it's all women ah. and then it was like no it's mixed like as if she's purposely like no it has to be mixed because
2: oh okay 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 cool so that's so that changes the episode slightly all right <laughs> let me land <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. so, so i just so i just had like a, a crazy crazy thing so what if she's training because um the same thing this is what hydra used to do in in the marvel comics hydra would basically get loads and loads of soldiers. And they would basically train some soldiers and give some to, say, like the hand or give some to to aim, oh. or give some to this person. So what if Shang's sister is basically talking to Sharon Carter at the end of Captain Ooh. America and the Witness Soldier? And, you know, they're basically trying to aim for like a, a different type of basically like a different type of organization in regards to be like, OK, cool. This is what I can supply to this country this is what i can supply to that country because if you go and watch if you go and watch black widow even though it takes place during civil war everybody who's in a red room is from a different culture so we already know that basically you know and if you watch black panther they've got sleeper cells all over the world because at one point uh killmonger says have you got the sleeper cells have the sleeper cells awoken in china so i'm just i'm like i said i'm just Mm. throwing it out there that i think that i think the role that she may have because i really do felt she was underused in this movie I really do hope that they use her to the utmost, and if that's what she's gonna be, then then yeah, I'm 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 so totally here for it, man. Because I'd I'd like to see some form of I'd like to see a change or a shift in regards to the type of villains or people yeah. that the the, the the MCU is going to be fighting against. It, it, you know, it could be someone from another country, or it could be someone in your own backyard that you don't even know is even in your backyard. And that's not even me talking about Secret Invasion. So I'm going to stop. <laughs> so, yeah, a don't, whole I'm gonna stop I don't <laughs> But no, I,
0: I, I definitely feel that. And I feel to my point, again, about doing different things like, let don't, I would just hope like in, I mean, you've got to have some kind of consistency. And, and I get like, you know, at that level, you got to, there's a, there is a formula, but, you know, within uh, within that, just do different things and not just repeat the past decade of MCU mm, yeah. films and just bring in just different villains, different, there's so much material in the comics and just, you know, you don't have to stick exactly to the comics, it's just in life. <laughs> there's just so many different things happening uh, in the world that you can take inspiration from that they can kind of reshape uh, how they go forward with this. And I, I think Xia is, like she did, so, like I said, she did so well with uh, what she was given. I feel they are setting her up to do more because, uh, you know, across TV and film, there's space. <laughs> there's yeah. space for everyone to get their own uh, series, so yeah. it feels like
1: it. They definitely, they were definitely like, here is a powerful character. Like, every moment on screen of her was like, by the way, there is another badass in this.
2: Yeah. Mm. Well, here, well here, here's, a, here's another powerful character who's also female. In Phase yes. 4, you, so you've got Xia you've got... um I always forget her name. I just call her Madam Hydra because that's one of her names. So you've got Madam Hydra at the end of mm. Captain America and the Winter Soldier, and then you've got Sharon Carter, and you've got Wonder. So like, like you said, if you're talking about representation right now, the the main, the main power brokers in the MCU in Phase Four, they're all they're all female who are kind of pulling the strings somewhat, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's see it. So, uh, speaking of female characters, I. I really liked Yingnan the um the aunt. I don't know I don't know why. I mean I know why she's just a great character but she just yeah. had that oh, I'm trying to put my finger on it but she just had that uh like gravitas uh to her character and that that wisdom knowledge guidance to to the journey and yeah just like strength to the character and like I mentioned the the scene where uh chi goes to her and like you need to teach me how to fight and just the way she was like carrying herself in that fight in that demonstration so yeah i just want to mention that, that as one of my favorite characters and moments in that film
1: i character that i just have to point out not as like just as like a cool small thing <laughs> is razor fist <laughs> especially because he's just like this this muscle yeah until right at the end <laughs> <laughs> When he nearly gets his soul sucked from him. <laughs> and like, up until that point, he is headstrong, muscle-bound, like, got a sword for an arm, <laughs> loyal to the T, like...
0: Yeah, and then he has his come-to-Jesus moment. Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> he just crumbles, like all of that is like but fair play but
0: fair play to him because some people they just stick to their guns no matter what he saw the situation i've just seen the guy's soul be sucked out in front (laughs) of my (laughs) eyes not five yards away from me yeah i'm going to change my mind (laughs) (laughs) makes perfect sense
1: he changes his like electrified sword arm to a dragon scale sword arm um, you know, yeah it's like, like we're
0: done with this like, i don't want that to be me so
1: yeah, <laughs> that's survival yeah. That's preservation of oneself <laughs> <Take> priority
0: <laughs> oh man and actually one of the things because considering the ending i wanted to bring out like we'll talk about themes before we wrap but the so i think there is still a a third act issue with a lot of Comic book, Marvel films where it kind of goes into essentially just like throw CGI at it towards the end. So I, was like we really enjoyed the film. That would be my nagging thing, where especially in a, in a film like this where we've talked about the the hand to hand combat, the feel of it in a way kind of gave way to just CGI. And um, you know, we've seen it. I think you know, Rich, you were here when we talked about uh, Wonder Woman and the third act sort of. Uh, descending into just like uh, CGI madness, this wasn't anywhere <laughs> near that that bad. But even One Division, to a certain extent, uh, without going into too much spoilers there. But the final episode, it uh, for me, it didn't necessarily detract from what had come before, but just something like a theme where towards the end of a of a show of a film, it just goes into the CGI. And I'm wondering, do we do we need that? Like, I I get why, but do we need that because when we just uh, talked about Civil War, one of the things I, I loved about it is that they had the, the CGI, the battle, the airport battle kind of towards the middle. And then the end was about the relationship and the broken relationship between uh, Tony, Steve uh, and, and Bucky. And that was more satisfying for me than just seeing CGI uh, all over the place. I don't know how you yeah. both felt about it ending in, in this film.
1: CGI had to exist in this film, but they ended. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. there's literally, it, and I don't think because there was still so much hand to hand combat, and the CGI was literally like you, I think it was so beautifully done as well, because it was way the dragon used the water, and it was the same. It Obviously, that was the power that the dragon gave to Lee, the mum Lee. Yeah, Lee. Yeah, gave to Lee, and it, so then you see, like, oh, the dragon also uses this power, not just be a dragon. <laughs> and the way, like, just all the water, like, swirled round, basically a waterbender. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right?
0: There's a lot of... I didn't want to go into the avatar, but since you brought it out, there was a lot of <laughs> avatar-ness in this, even with, like, the, some of the fighting styles of Lee and, uh, and Nan.
1: Can you... Like, I was getting to this point where... I was like, are we not going to see the dragon? And I was mm. like, oh, you've got to see the dragon. Like, everything's been about this dragon. You're telling me, is this dragon just a myth? But you've got the dragon scales. I was like, so the, the dragon must still be alive. And you can't, What well, this dragon's just going to let everyone suffer like this. <laughs> 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 like, there's literally no way. And because and the most of the human combat was still very hand-to-hand, even... Between um, Shang Chi and Wenwu, uh, even though obviously the rings were involved, yeah,
0: the rings came out towards the end of that fight.
1: It was still there was still a lot of physicalness to it, and it wasn't like over the top.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and like I agree, like it looked it looked look great, definitely. Um, I, I guess it's more me bringing up a, a wider thing in in superhero films um, r- instead of like. Uh, Criticising the like execution in in this film because it, it had no qualms with it. it. Looked it looked good. It just uh, and it's definitely as a third act CGI segment is definitely done better than you know it has been. Like we mentioned, Wonder Woman and uh, that was just a mess <laughs> that yeah, yeah. that third act. Whereas this it it's still coherent. It still had that uh, coherence to it.
2: I I really liked the third. Act. You know you know what it was. Like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to sound like that boring guy again because I'm repeating same, say certain words. But the thing that I liked about Shang-Chi in regards to the representation, in regards, aside from the representation of Asian people, but the film itself has a representation of a particular genre. And the thing that I liked about it is that you could probably break break the film into three different acts in regards to the martial arts that you see on screen anyway. So you've got the first part, let's say like um, it's Wu versus Shang's mother. So you've got like the Wushu element And, um, you know, the stuff that you'd find in Crouch Tiger, Hidden Dragon, a lot of, like, you know, ancient, you know, Chinese fairy tales and stuff like that. And then you come to, like, modern day, and you've got the more, it's still Kung Fu, but it's more of, like you said, like a a Jackie Chan from the 80s and the 90s brawling martial arts. So we're not going to really bother with any form of style, but we're going to understand the fundamentals of what works and what doesn't need to work. So I don't need to get into this position to do this punch, but this punch is still going to be from this particular style. And then you get to, like, the final act where you're like you said fighting against dragons and it's like, so if you think about it all of those three types of styles that you in, in regards to action are all from chinese martial arts genres so so for me so when i did so because i remember seeing i there's only really two people i only watch when um, in regards to reviews on youtube and one of them did complain about the end and how it became a cgi fest And when I watched it, the only thing I could say, or the only reason I could see why he said that is because the martial arts was so in your face, the first and the second act. So come by the third act, you want to see it more. But like Tazzy said, I think you still get that good... hand. Like When I watched it, as much as it was a CGI fest, the CGI fest was different than this one because the CGI was the supporting character to Mm. the people doing the martial arts. That's fair. And one of the reasons why it worked is because if you think about all of the Marvel, f- or the, let's say all of the MCU, mo- MCU movies that we've watched so far, Shang-Chi is probably one of the first ones that we've seen who doesn't wear a mask, so to speak, but is also very, very physical. So where you see Simi Liu doing all the stunts from like the first and the second act, and he seemed fighting against his father amongst the dry as well, and then you see him riding on top of a, like a dry dragon, you're just like. I don't really mind anymore. You know the reason why? <laughs> because I've seen him do some crazy shit in the first two acts, and I reckon if there was a real dragon, he could probably ride it anyway. So you're you're kind of not like you're not taken out of it, as mm. opposed to say like when you look at like a Wonder Woman, and you've got this woman doing this physical thing, physical thing, physical thing, and then the next thing you know, you're just looking at like some you know you know when CGI doesn't look quite right. Yeah, it just it, it just looks ever so slightly off. Like the body doesn't move like how it like how it should, but you don't get that in in the third act of um. Of, of of Shang-Chi because it's a mixture of the physical and like I said the CGI supports the character as opposed to they you know trying to take into the stratosphere but in saying that I think um the Guardians of the Galaxy movies they they pulled it off pretty well as well to, to be honest in regards to the special effects of the CGI working around their characters um and it's you know it's because of the way the characters are portrayed physically on screen and because of the characters that we've that we've you know that you've been following through the movie which is one of the reasons why after seeing this I saw I went and watched *Kings Convenient. But yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs>
1: and I think going back to that, and it's something that happens in Guardians of the Galaxy as well, is that you're also placed in an environment where it's a, a different type of world. So then the environment is all very CDI. Mm. But because it's already got that like fairy tale like environment that it's like you're you're eased into it. So you're already like surrounded by unusual Mm, colors. Like obviously everything's really vibrant
2: because Mm. it's this
1: this realm. It's a different. It's a different world. It's a different realm. And I think that's that helps as well because you're not like, oh my god, suddenly CGI because you've just seen a load of CGI animals and nature and stuff.
0: No, it is, and that's the thing with CGI is it comes down to the executions. Like you can, like the presence of CGI doesn't automatically make your film kind of great or or terrible it's like how you execute it within the story that you're telling um when you do use it so yeah no I get that I wanted to touch on themes um we have mentioned a few of them so I'm just gonna bring up a few that kind of connected with me but uh just you know give me a shout if uh, any connect with you as well but we have this idea of stepping into your Uh, potential uh, or living up to Mm -hmm. your potential even and I mentioned the idea of this being or having some millennial kind of uh, uh, tendencies in in the characters and I think both Sean at that time and Katie are hiding their true potential obviously for different reasons but Shang-Chi we know and Katie's that idea of like not wanting to extend beyond her comfort zone and she has this line about not pushing herself and knowing her own limits. Uh, and then I can't remember which character says this, but there was a response or somewhere down the line where if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing, which is just, <laughs> uh, every time I hear that quote, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know what? You're right. <laughs> yeah. I can't argue with that. And then another theme around the like family and specifically the biological family and the hardship that it can cause. Cause we see the trauma, from when Wu after all the trauma caused by Wen Wu and his children, after the trauma and the shared trauma of losing uh Lee early on in the in the film, and then kind of shang Shi having to process that and in a sense get through that come through that, and he comes through that with the other theme of embracing both sides of yourself, so this this ying and this yang because going back to the the training fight uh with uh ying nan. And because ultimately, what he, she's getting him to do is embrace both sides, like the control of the the father and the, the openness uh, of the mother. So you see that when he's like, he has a I think mean, he has a closed fist, and then he opens his fist, and he's controlling or yeah, dealing with both sides of his nature. And then that's when he becomes Shang. She stops being Sean, uh, and takes on his his father. So uh, yeah, I was liking those teams, especially the potential one, because again. Being a millennial, that that hits uh, just the idea of this uh, this potential, and you're not quite there yet. Uh, and then how do you respond to that? And just liking again, Katie in this film is my spirit animal. Just understanding everything that uh, she goes through.
1: I think I love the actress that plays Katie. I don't even know her name. Oh, Aquafina. Yeah, um she's also in Crazy Rich Asians. Yes, yeah. where she plays a similar character.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she's one of those characters i feel like i mean obviously she's acting but this it comes from a true place for her i just i just get that yeah, sense
2: it's her, yeah. it's her right she's so like okay there's no script you don't get a script Okafina. you just
0: it's for you <laughs> yeah. so yeah no i always like to um see if we can pull out the themes in any uh any story we talk about so any any final thoughts and I know we've touched on the end credit scenes as well, but any final thoughts, anything we haven't mentioned before we get to our questions?
1: The the character that che- trains... The character, the one that wears the mask, I don't know, know the oh, name. Death Wheeler. Yeah, Deathfeeler. Yeah. When he dies, <laughs> I was like, "You got done dirty. Yeah. been <laughs> so like this... This like character is supposed to be really strong and you're the trainer and you know they built him up and then you're just like flatlined. <laughs> 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 oh i just had to i just have
2: to mention it because
0: uh yeah that was a shame what a way to go
2: yeah 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 th- yeah I, I did i did feel sorry i i felt upset about that because i thought he was gonna i thought he was gonna be like one of the big bads yeah and then when he got taken i was just like no oh. Which is Guess one not. of the things I feel that that Marble does kind of do like, every so often. Like they did it in Black Widow as well, in regards to like Taskmaster. And I was like, Oh, but you kinda of built this person up to be that person. Mm. But um but you but you know what, but I to be honest, I really wanted to see more Death Dealer because I wanted to see more martial arts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, <pretty> yeah. <laughs> it's
0: understandable. I will say so uh, a couple of things. One, just a, a quick shout out in terms of characters for John John um, or Vonnie Cheng from The Daily Show. Yeah. was <laughs> like seeing when, like you see people on these shows and they're like, oh, he's in a Marvel film. That's, <laughs> that's really cool. He's a funny guy. And then Wong, see, so he's connecting to the wider MCU. But <laughs> I, I remember watching the the first credit scene where he's basically giving both Katie and Shang-Chi the lowdown on you an Avenger Now and this is going to change your life and uh, nothing's going to be the same. I almost felt like that was just such a true scene because that could have been just the actor talking to the actor. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Sumeru, like everything's changed now. Your life is not not going to be the same. I, I wasn't sure if that was acting or that was just like them before they signed a the contract saying, <laughs> you know, this is what you're getting yourself into. Now you're an Avenger.
1: I love the scene. Okay, so I love that they have this bit at the beginning where it's Katie and Sean telling their friend's oh. story. And then that scene <laughs> is them telling the like this amazing, like them saving the world story. And the, their friends just being like, you're, you're, kid- you're kidding. And, and then. <laughs> And then it's just like look, look behind you and then Kate's like, What, what me? me as well? And then that they do the whole, yeah, we should probably get some sleep. Oh <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, These are my people, yes. <laughs>
0: uh yeah, glad you brought that up actually that was 'cause that also goes to the millennial thing as well. It's like, oh, your friends are doing uh, great and you haven't figured it out yet and then it's like mm. oh, no no we're doing stuff we're doing stuff you just don't understand the stuff we're doing
1: <laughs> yeah that's very relatable
0: yeah <laughs> rich give you the last word for now
2: like i said i mean I, lo- I love the film as a whole man like i said like kung fu and martial arts that's that's like one of my things alongside science fiction okay you know i'll pick up will f- pick a funny scene it's the fiend it's the scene where they you know, you guys are gonna think I'm obsessed with him, but I'm not. It just happens to be in this scene. It's a scene where they first bump into Trevor, right? And then they go, and yeah, there's like the back. that then they got the chicken pig, and is that is that <laughs> that little line where he's just like, oh, you can see it too. Yeah, Oh my yeah. god, I thought I was yeah. going crazy. I was gone. <laughs> I was gone. <laughs> so there's that. And also, I actually forgot to mention as well is that when I saw this film in the cinema, I saw it in 4D. Oh, okay. okay. But. It was basically, I mean, like I said, like COVID has been kind of tough for everyone. So like I don't go to cinema like I used to unless it's for uh, you know an occasion and this was an occasion. Hmm. And I'm I remember like literally just going online and going, okay, cool. I'm gonna go see it in the cinema. Luca's gonna to go over to Byzantium. And then went 4D, and I was like, oh, but 4 is like 20 something pounds. And I was like, hold on, wait a minute. This is a martial arts film. If I'm gonna see any film in 4D where I can feel people punch me in the back of my seat, it's gonna be a martial arts film. Cha-ching. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it was worth it. So I haven't I forgot to mention that throughout this whole thing. So 4D, you get the smoke, you get the rain, you get the wind, you get the sound effects behind your ears from the from the from the back of the seat, and you also get the rocking and you get the punches in the back. Um so if you see someone get a punch, you feel it as well. So um so I, I feel like I was actually in the Legend of the Ten Wings movie.
0: Cool. All right. Well that is our thoughts on Shang-Chi and the legend of of the 10 rings let us know what you think as well you can always give us feedback on this episode or any other episode uh in this series uh so before we go uh, i want to get to our storytelling tip for this week Each time we do a deep dive on the podcast, I like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their own stories. So this is a consideration from someone who also creates stories and likes to learn from the techniques or mistakes of others. And for today's episode, I wanted to discuss delivering exposition through action. As writers and creators of our stories, we know everything And with that knowledge comes a tendency to want to explain everything to the audience, whether they ask for answers or not. So what is exposition? It's a literary device used to introduce background information about events, settings, characters, or other elements to your audience. Put simply, it's things that the audience needs to know to understand the events of the story. In Robert McKee's screenwriting book, Story, McKee goes on to express the famous writer's phrase, show, don't tell, and describes in detail the craft of disguising exposition. But if exposition is necessary, why is there such an issue around it? One challenge is that unnecessary exposition can hurt the pacing of your story. Stopping the flow of the narrative to explain the context before characters do anything can hurt the enjoyment of your story. The other challenge is that exposition makes the audience do more work, not less. We engage with story to let our imaginations go free, not to think and retain information like the night before an exam. There are many ways to implement exposition in a way that enhances your story and engages the audience. Action is one, and Shang-Chi does this through its great fight scenes, which are fantastic to watch, but also deliver an important narrative information shang Shi makes a nod to Chinese wuxia genre that follows martial artists through the ventures in ancient China. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon director Ang Lee describes the style to be choreographed as a kind of martial art, where the fighting is never just kicking and punching, but is also a way for characters to express their unique situation and feelings. And we see this in just about every fight scene in the film, communicating character situations and feeling, exposition, in an engaging way that doesn't slow the pacing of the story. In fact, it helps build and keep momentum going. Let's take a look at some examples. When the leader of the Ten Rings, Wen Wu, meets Li on his search for Ta Lo, the slow motion choreography paired with romantic music makes their meeting as much of an intimate connection as it does a battle between foes. Later on, we see shang Shi attacked on a bus on his way to work. In that close quarters fight, we learn that Sean not only knows how to fight, but has been keeping a secret from Katie about his past. Combat is also used to communicate the estranged relationship between shang Shi and his sister, Zhai Ling, when we see them square up in the ring of the underground fight club. In one of my favorite scenes in the film, shang Shi asks his aunt, Ying-Nang, to teach him the martial arts technique needed to defeat Wen Wu, We see Shang-Chi prepare his usual battle stance when Ying-Nang reaches out and unfurls the fingers he has curled into a fist, urging him to let go of the guilt and grudges he's carried up until now, finally embracing the past and the family that he ran from for years. So how can you better use action in your story to deliver on exposition? Number one, don't just use action for action's sake. Just like any other part of your story, even action sequences should be used to reveal character or otherwise move the plot forward. In shang we are shown the relationship between characters and what they are struggling with. Always keep in mind what emotions you are looking to convey with your action sequences. Number 2 Action doesn't have to mean fighting. Here we're dealing with the master of kung fu, so much of the talk has been about physical combat, but action doesn't need to mean characters battling it out with fists or weapons. A character holding a door for another might show courtesy. A character who has the arms crossed when asked tough questions may show defensiveness. Smaller actions can be just as effective to convey personality or state of mind at any moment in your story. Number three, small doses are best. Unless it makes sense for your story, you generally want to avoid long exposition dumps. Even if you're dealing with an action sequence, think about its purpose and length. And remember, the audience doesn't need to know a whole lot to enjoy your story. So resist the urge to give them the entire world-building background every time you introduce a new conflict. And number four, spark questions in your audience. The best exposition comes not when you want the audience to know something, but when the audience is calling out for answers. So look for ways in which you can raise questions and then have them answered in your story. That way you'll avoid making your exposition feel forced or boring. The great thing about the fight scene on the bus is that it has us asking questions about who shang Sean, really is. Even Katie is left asking, who are you? And that's your story tip for this episode. There'll be a video version of the tip on YouTube later. You can also send us your storytelling tips and we'll read them out on the show. Whether it's a comic, manga, game, book, or something else, send them to feedback at mymatter.com or join our Discord and let us know there. Now let's check in with feedback and guest news.
1: So we have some listener Feedback and questions from our emails or social media. Um, we have from uh, Kota Kitty: The Shang Chi movie leans a lot on banter and jokes. Do you feel it takes away from the film at all?
0: Yeah, this is a good question. This is a uh, this is going to take me to the essentially the Disney template because there, there is a Disney template of humor. I mean, I I, I like it because I I think it's I don't think it took away from this film particularly because I think what they did is is use Katie as the comic relief so it wasn't so much in like not every character was a comedian like they had the the actual funny character do the funny uh, things and but she didn't undermine it uh, in any way I felt but in my in the back of my mind I'm like ah oh, yeah this is the the form that we see in a lot of MCU films even see it in like Star Wars. It's a Disney thing. So I don't think it it took away from this film, but I feel it's something that just Disney does push in a lot of their things. The only film to my mind I, I I really felt it, like the banter and the jokes took away from, in a weird way, was um, Thor, the third Thor, Ragnarok.
1: Interesting. Ooh. That was the only yeah. one I actually Ooh. really enjoyed.
0: But that's the thing, Ooh. I really enjoyed. It was because it was a hilarious film. But it took the the comedy took away all the threat that was in the film. So I was kind of or oh, too much. I really enjoyed it. It was genuinely like I was laughing out loud. But then it was always like all the threat has been taken out of this film um, because of uh, of all the jokes. So that's the only time I I felt that
2: personally.
1: Rich, what about you? Do you think it t- took away from this movie?
2: No, I, I didn't. I mean, I know a lot. Like Nigel said, a lot of people do put make that a a, a point of saying that's what the MCU does. But like I said, a lot of it was left on. I think a lot of the jokes were left to the people that were meant to make those type of jokes, and it didn't. Yeah. It, it didn't fill out of context. So Okafina, the minute you meet her, like th- that's how she is. And then, like I said, then when you meet when you meet Trevor, like how he like he's a he you know he's a, a recovered alcoholic. You know, like you don't leave that unscathed. So the stuff that comes out of his mouth is going to be funny type of serious anyway. So so I think this one. It, it was it was definitely done in the right way. Like I had like for example, I had a couple of issues in regards to like Black Widow. Some of the jokes that were in that film I felt were a bit too forced, especially in certain scenes where they could have when it, it should have been serious. But some of the stuff that they were saying, you know, like like I said, like the you know the funny bit about oh the chicken pig. Like I looked at that and I was like, "That's a chicken pig." Oh, you can see it too, and I was like, "Okay, so everyone can see it." But that's I can funny. imagine having that conversation. That that's funny, you know. You know what I mean? So yeah. So I, I in fact, if anything, I don't think I don't think the humor in this film was, was a problem was an issue for me at all.
1: I think that the humor from Katie was perfect. Like it just went with the story. It made sense for that character to exist here, and it wasn't. It wasn't like, they weren't like, they didn't feel to me like they were jokes. They were just kind of Mm. like.
2: Observations.
1: Yeah. They were just like, this is someone who is very out of their element. (laughs) And they uh, comment they're someone that would talk about them being out of their element. And that is just, that's just who they are. And it's just funny. (laughs) Like, it doesn't feel like it's like, oh, let's insert a joke here. It feels like, oh, Katie feels uncomfortable or Katie has no idea what's going on. And she's saying out loud. <laughs> but Trevor, I felt took away because it didn't feel like the character needed to be there. Also, it was like Marvel's other thing with not just humor, but I really love cute creatures. <laughs> but it felt like it, they were like, oh, we haven't put a cute creature in yet.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know we'll chuck one in here and uh, just <laughs> add a bit more comic relief just because I feel like we haven't done it enough like but it just didn't feel like it, I don't know it just didn't quite it, it kind of it was still good it didn't like massively take away but for me it kind of just knocked me a bit to just say yeah oh yeah you're watching a film rather than fully absorbed Mm-hmm. so at Brook underscore a underscore doodles says uh thoughts on when you as a villain villain i love his complexity and depth as a character i mean we have kind of touched on this already but if anyone wants to add any additional thoughts on that
0: uh just i agree really i think yeah i, I think with like the other issue that marvel sometimes has is with their villains um mm. but I feel yeah, they they have uh created a character with relatable complexity uh and depth and changes the changes it from the oh i'm just bad, I want your power just because i'm bad and lack of depth i, I like those characters like those villains uh like when we like uh killmonger, I thought was great, even uh, uh names escaping me, but in um the first spider man
2: the Vulture, wicked villain.
0: Or was his? What was the name of the? Tombs. Tombs. Uh, yeah. First name. Uh, Eugene. Eugene. Mm-hmm.
2: Eugene. I feel it's Tombs? not, but
0: I'm gonna. There's Tombs. I know. Yeah, but well, him. Edward like a. <laughs> Tony. Rich.
2: <laughs> Gary. No, I
0: don't know. <laughs> um, but his, like, like I understood, like, you know, I'm just a, a guy. All you superpower beans, your crane creating all this damage, and us little guys have got to clean it up. I've had enough taking my own back. Like I, I understand that, and it makes that makes it more relatable, makes it more interesting. So yeah, I like this kind of villain. Not specifically the father of high expectations of a son, but this kind of like relatable villain in in these stories. Mm.
2: Adrian. 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 Adrian, there you go. We got there. <laughs> got there in the end. Yeah. I mean like like you said, Tassie, we've the guy was able to act with just his eyes alone. <laughs> so that itself, it, it's, an amazing, it's amazing. But um but I I, I do feel that um a lot of the MCU villains do get a bit of a hard stick. And I'm not saying that all of them are amazing, but you know, like some of the, some some of them that you mentioned, um, Nigel, like um like Adrian Tombs. Like for me, it wasn't even Adrian Toombs what he stuck he stuck out to me not because of like, you know, the the whole business thing and like, you know, the little person. He stuck out to me because he was someone that wanted to provide for his family. And the family was first and yeah. was the most important thing for him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. So that so so yeah, but I think when we it's It's crazy because I won't even consider Wen Ru a villain because if you think about like he he didn't even think that he was even going to he didn't know he was doing something bad. Mm. That's the thing. everybody, the majority of the villains that we've seen in the MCU know they are doing something bad for you know let's say, for example, in Thanos's instance, he's doing something good, but he knows he has to do something bad to do something good. like with when it wasn't until towards the end that he realized that he was making a mistake. So, and that's what makes it even even more tragic for me as him as a villain because he's not even a villain like Killmonger. You know, depending which side you're leaning or leaning <laughs> for, whether you're Tachala or Killmonger, but Killmonger was still he still knew what needed to be done. He was still prepared to kill to get his way forward. So like he was still a traditional villain. But like I said, when we just wanted his family, you know, that that's it. Yeah, and-
1: when you when we actually thought he was being the hero, that point yeah. he'd already sort of corrected his ways and he genuinely thought that their mum was behind that gate and that it was heartbreaking because
2: yeah
1: I feel like he's already had his redemption. <laughs> yeah, he did. And they pulled him back in. And it was just like imagine like he was the only reason he is a villain at that point is because he is powerful. If he didn't have that power he'd just be someone who was Morning and going through a tough
2: Depression. time to <laughs> yeah. with the
1: death of his wife. I love this. I love <laughs> when we as a villain as an antagonist. <laughs> yeah, I think we all agree. Depth of character, amazing.
2: <laughs>
1: um, and Mahaki, what do you think of the dragon?
2: You, you know what? I mean, I've actually until you just asked it, I'd never really thought about it. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like an amazing... Dra- I, you know what? I'm going to sound like I've seen dragons in real life. But you say, <laughs> once, you've <seen> dragon, <laughs> once you've seen one dragon, you've seen them all. It's just that some are prettier than others. You know you know what I mean? So, uh, so, I mean, it was nice. It, it was definitely nice. But um, there wasn't anything that actually kind of stood out to me, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because it still fulfilled its thing. Of, I mean, it looked like a dragon. It didn't look like a chicken pig, right? So, <laughs> So yeah, it was it was good. Um, I mean, uh, to be fair, maybe somebody who is from Chinese descent or who has a bit more knowledge of Chinese culture, because I know that a lot of the things that you see in shang it, it has some form of like semblance or some form of yes. link. Yes, including culture. the chicken pig. Actually. Exactly, including the chicken pig. So so maybe somebody who actually knows a bit more would be able to say, well, this was done right or this was done wrong. But I I was I was happy with it. I was happy. I was happy with it.
0: Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have any strong thoughts of it. It just it was necessary for that part in the story look cool.
1: First of all, the dragon reminded me of Haku from Spirit Away. Okay. Yeah. Second of yeah, all, good shot. <laughs> second of all, a lot stood out to me to the dragon from the uh, of the dragon. The detail that the scarring around the dragon's eyes, particularly. And just oh, in general,
0: and as, as it was getting attacked as well,
1: yeah. But like even before it got attacked, it already had scars, and it was still so beautiful and elegant and like shiny and dragon, this majestic dragon, water <laughs> dragon. But we already know that it's it's the protector. It's it's fought, and then you see that. In it, it's not just like oh, shiny dragon that's got any damage to it somehow, <laughs> even though it's lived for god knows how many years and it's given it scales to help the humans. Like yeah, I thought it was quite nice that they'd done that. And then obviously the dragon water bending,
2: amazing. <laughs> yeah, to
0: be fair,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I want to watch this film again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm really upset because I feel like there's a whole scene that we didn't even mention and I'm kind of like, oh damn. Sing it, sing it. So especially when we're talking about millennials, but the whole like fight club thing, I don't know what you called it. Oh yeah. Wait, which? The live stream, like, uh oh. Emperor. Oh, of course. Uh, the whole like live oh, stream wow. fighting and the whole um I didn't even like didn't even mention the guy on the bus that was recording live yeah. coming <laughs> at you comment I've done a bit of martial arts so um I'm gonna try and give you a live yeah, stream. <laughs> <country. live.
2: laughs>
1: <laughs> this film's so good that there's just so much in it to talk about that I just don't feel like this podcast has really given us a chance to really dive into all of it.
0: That's surprising because we covered so much.
1: I know, right? But, you know, the podcast does have to come to an end at some point. So, but before we do that, (laughs) just a reminder that uh, you can send your feedback at feedback at myamada.com or in our Discord or on social media at myamada on Twitter, at myamada TV on Instagram, or at Tazzy on both. Before we do wrap up, let's check in with our guests so yeah rich what's going on um is there any latest news or interesting projects that you have coming up
2: okay so you guys know already that i'm part of wulong talks and so what we've been doing because life has kind of got in the way i've done something i've started something again which i started quite a few years ago um called 60 second reviews so basically what i do is that I do a 60 second review of like a, a film or a TV show or TV episode, should I say. And that basically goes on our Instagram channels. And then after a certain amount of time, we bunch them all together and we basically post it on the, on the YouTube channel. So I'm doing that. Um, I also have started a new Instagram channel called Danger Room Analysis with a, a next guest co-host of William Talks is all called Alvin. And what we do is that we pick an action scene from any movie or well, any medium. So that could be movie, television, anime, comic books, computer games. And we just pick an action scene and we just break it down. And we talk about the reason why it worked or why it didn't work and what we would do different or what we would keep the same. And uh, just a little bit of history behind the scene as well. So um so at some point, um, we will be talking about Shang-Chi next month. And that goes live every Thursday. And in commemoration of uh, the final james bond film starring daniel craig no time to die we are going to be doing a scene from casino royale so yeah that's that's what we've got in the pipeline
1: oh some interesting stuff there or make sure we link the instagram channels youtube and everything in the show notes so make sure you check those out especially as richard's son Has told you to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm not letting him down. Deny that. Yeah. Like if you do, I don't know what kind of monster you are. If you can (laughs) (laughs) ignore such sweet calls to action.
0: I know, right? But yeah, uh, Rich, and for Lucas Cameo, thank you for joining us and yeah, giving us, like I said, Rich knows his comics. And I always feel like I learned something when you uh, let us know what's in in your head, basically.
2: Listen, thank you for having me on again, guys. Um, like I said, it was it was a bit hairy. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it today because of yeah. that like Kevin Hill life. But um, I'm I'm glad. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you guys had me on, man. And I'm I'm definitely here for the next one as well. So yeah, you just give me a shout.
0: Will do. And yeah, if you enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, make sure that you subscribe so you can catch all the episodes, including the next one that Rich and maybe Luca uh, are featuring. <laughs> uh, you can also give us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts and wherever they let you review your podcast. This helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. Also, don't forget to check out our own stories on the Maya Matter website. We've got a number of titles already out, plus the upcoming series Through the Fog, which is very nearly done, ready for print. And you can join the Gamepad Discord community as well, and check out the Studio 77 membership for exclusive access to Gamepad events and content from the Maya Matter universe. We release new episodes of the podcast on Thursdays. Those include creator interviews, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at myamatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamatter.com forward slash story x story. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe. And does Luca have an agent? Because we might need someone to do some promo for us. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, Take care, everyone.
2: So um, give me two seconds. You okay? I just have a little bit of a shout out to say I really hope you give my dad more subscribers, more likes and more comments and I really hope my dad will be happy with what he gets because he's a very nice dad. Okay. I love you too. (laughs)